With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. TPV Radio, Central Texas. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Cover your cough or sneeze. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. And remember, you're safer at home. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by Live 365 and this station. You're listening to the hottest, most off-controversial, off-the-meters Christian radio station in the land. In the land. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Are you ready to walk, family? Let us go! What's good, radio family? The Psalmist Voice Radio Network has an all-star lineup just for you. Just pick your flavor. Starting with, on Sundays, the Psalmist Voice Reloaded. At 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, followed by Satellite with Michael Ceballos at 4.30 p.m. Monday, The Grub at 12 noon. Darcy Patterson, The Reality Coach at 6 p.m. Tuesday, Victory Over the Weights of Life with Sister Deanne Labrine at 6 p.m. Friday's Real Talk with Pastor Byron Sago at 4 p.m. Saturdays is our triple hitter, and it starts off with Saturdays for Best with Sister Lorraine Brown, followed by Brother Now Presents with Pastor Gene Homer at 4 p.m., and Motorbar Nation with Sandra Grace at 7 p.m. The Starless Voice presents by appointment only, coming soon. TPV Radio Open Mic, open to all pastors, preachers, and artists, and we're going to get it in to be announced. You can also catch us on Live 365, 24-7. Just search the Thomas Voice Radio Network, and you're in there. Walk with us, family. Let's go. At Javina Distributing, we got your covering for your winter and summer needs. One size fits all. To order yours today, please message them on Facebook at Javina Distributing or call 616-929-2991 or 517-489-6923. Or you can order from the website, www.allsportsheadgear.com and type in promo code SIRON2020 to receive 20% off your purchase. Let's get it. Let's go. At Majal's Products, we care for a better you with our handmade natural ingredients to give you healthier skin body and stronger hair like our face foot hair and 
Women Body Care Products. To order yours today, please visit our website at www.majowsproducts.com or on Facebook at Majows Products. Get yours today and get your faster results without breaking the bank. You never heard Christian radio quite like this. Quite like this. Get your fix 24-7 on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Radio Network. to sell life with Michael Savalos right now on TPV Radio. tuning in today. I want to welcome my co-host on Cell Life, Ms. Sandra Grace Martinez, who is a psychotherapist, policy reform advocate, daughter of immigrants, and a minister. And with that, Sandra Grace, would you please pray us in? Yes. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day, and we ask that you bless the viewers that um, are on Facebook and and listening to this podcast in, in this time of uncertainty. We ask you to give them peace and and through us, please let the Holy Spirit speak, so that we can be a conduit to provide those words that will promote peace in Jesus Christ's most precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Miss Sandra Grace. I want to uh, just kind of uh, uh, tune in and, and, and kind of get to know the audience right now. If it's your first time tuning in, this is Cell Life, and uh, it is a podcast about personal transformation and educating society on the different issues that prisoners face inside the walls and outside the walls upon their release. Today we have a really nice show planned for y'all. Uh, we are continuing from last week's show. We have our guest is Wolf Sittler. And we are glad that he is here today. I'm going to give you a little bit about his resume. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. Wolf Stittler, uh, uh again, he was with us last, last and we are uh, talking about the Responsible Prison Project that him and some, uh, some prisoners put together a few years back, and uh, we've been going over that. Let me give you a little bit. He was born in Germany. He immigrated to the U.S. in 1947. He was born in 1943 in Germany. Uh, got a B.A. in sociology in 1965 from Wittenberg University. In 1968, uh, University of Minnesota, MSW, from 1968-71, he was a probation and parole officer in the Minnesota Department of Correction. From 71 to 74, he was a drug counselor in, many, in the Minneapolis Rehabilitation Center, MRC, 74 to 77, Vocational Rehabilitation Council. From 77 to 81, Hennepin County Domestic Relations Division Family Counselor. From 81 to 82, self-employed worker in Minneapolis. 
In 83, 86, he moved to Travis County, where he was in adult probation intensive supervision program in Texas. From 86 to present, self-employed woodworker. From 2013 to present, advocate for criminal justice transformation. And that's where we met Wolf. And Wolf, I want to welcome you on the show today. How are you doing, sir? Wolf, you there? Are we having a problem or something? Sandra Grace, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Well, Wolf it's Wolf's was on birthday, the line. so you never know. <laughs> I know. It is Wolf's birthday. And it is. we're so happy that he's we're so happy that he's gonna be here with us today oh. to spend some of his birthday with us. I know. I thought about that. I'm like, that is wonderful. I love that. I love that about him. But yeah, I just saw him blow out some candles. So maybe, you know, he's just trying to catch his breath. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that him and his wife just had a a uh, a big anniversary. And uh, yes. Yeah, they're they're, they're darling couples. So. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah. Uh, they are. I saw all the pictures. I thought, oh my goodness, these you know these folks are having more fun than me. And I'm like, I need to be out there, but I'm just. <sighs> he was you telling know. me. He was telling me that they took a, uh, that him and his wife took a two-hour boat ride, on the LBJ there in uh, in Austin today for his birthday, which was really cool. Can you hear me now, Mike? Oh, well, yes, you're sir. here! Yay! Happy birthday. Well, thank you. I've been uh, enjoying the day and thinking a lot about the new year ahead since uh, I can't do anything about the past, but I can do something about the future. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, happy birthday, Wolf. We appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, everyone being here with me. Yes, sir. So, uh, uh... I wanted to kind of get into the uh, uh, where we left off last last week, or you know we can uh, get into some subjects. There's been a lot going on in the last week or so since we've spoken, and I believe there's a lot of movement going on within within the arena of prison reform. And uh, I would just like to kind of get your your. Your, your your current outlook on uh, on what you're seeing, all the different protests, and uh, and, and I just want to kind of get your uh, your outlook on that, Wolf. Okay. Well, I think we have never had a time like this in our history as a country where the subject of prison reform has been so much on people's radar, and uh, as a result of you know, COVID-19 and George Floyd protests, uh, everything is being reexamined and looked at in a new way to see, well, how can we do old things in a new way? And uh, certainly the criminal justice system is one of those old ways, you know, it's a system that's kind of stuck in old ways of doing things and is now undergoing uh, revisioning, I think, by lots of people because the system as it's designed just has not worked as it's supposed to. And uh, so, like, there are 
increasing number of Facebook groups where people are focused on changes in the criminal justice system, not just in prisons, but in uh, prevention and the court system, uh, in probation and parole. Sure. And so there's a, I think there's a growing wave of interest in using more common sense of how we deal with people that get caught up in, in law-breaking activities. I think you're absolutely right, Wolf. I'm, I, I've, I've only been out since January, but I've never known uh, it to be this 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 much movement uh, and and attention uh, in this arena. And 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 I am new to this to the prison reform because I've been in prison for so long. But I I, I have just it just seems like it's increasing uh, very very rapidly. And uh, and I'm excited about that. I believe that uh, it, it's a time for change, without a doubt. And COVID has only highlighted a lot of the uh, uh, inhumane conditions that were already present. So, uh, you know, I I, I, I want to go ahead and uh, okay. So we talked about a lot of things last week. Uh, Wolf, we we went over the mission statement. Uh, we talked about COVID-19 and releasing those approved for parole. And me and Sandra Grace uh, are continue to talk about that uh, on our uh, Facebook uh, live show at, uh, at 9 o'clock every night. And uh, so, okay, we went over some of the uh, visitation, phone calls. Uh, I'm not sure we went too much into visitation and phone calls, but uh, I think we were somewhere in that area. But, I mean, we have tons of things we can talk about. Wolf, we have ex- excessive sentences, second look, independent oversight. We have a lot of things we can talk about in uh I just uh, I know that it was uh, we wanted you did want to talk about some of the parole issues that are going on right now and 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 I think that's a really relevant uh, place to start. So if you would want to just uh, speak on some of that, Wolf or Sandra okay, Grace, either one of y'all know Sandra Grace is loaded too. Okay, well, uh, Sandra Grace, you want to uh, start off? I want you to start because it's your birthday. It's your day. This is it. Okay. That that sounds good. Well, uh, I've been involved in this, uh, you know, justice transformation thing for about seven years. And parole has always been uh, kind of foremost in my mind since I now know a variety of guys sentenced as juveniles to extremely long sentences uh, and if you have a long sentence and you're convicted of a violent crime here in Texas, you have to serve half your time before anyone will even talk to you about getting out. And that's quite uh, I know, quite the opposite of what makes sense to me, where I, I think that bad behavior can result in bad consequences. Certainly in prison it does. Sometimes it does out here. But good behavior should result in good consequences. And since we have a system that requires that a person convicted of a violent crime to spend half their time in prison before anyone will talk to them. There is nothing they can do. Most people think there's nothing they can do to get out before that half time has been passed. But I've been exploring ways with the family that I've been working with for the past seven years about uh, how to go through a process that still involves a parole board, but doesn't depend on that meeting the halfway time requirement. And that is uh, through the process of applying for clemency or sentence commutation. 
there is a long-established process for how you do that, and I think it's very antiquated and not really relevant. But the way it is now, if you want to apply to get your sentence reduced, if you think it was uh, too long or not right or whatever, you can um, file an application with the Board of Pardons and Paroles to have them look at your case before your time is actually up according to the paper. Uh, but in order to for them to get that application, you have to get approval from the district attorney, the sheriff, and the judge in the county of conviction. And that can be tricky, like in the case that I'm working on now. Uh, this guy, uh, it was 20, 22 years ago, he was in a courtroom, or 23, and none of the same people are there. So I'm, I've been asking these people that don't know this guy at all, except for a piece of paper or a file they have on their desk, to approve something that uh, might, you know, come back and bite them, according to their perspective. So, but that sure. is another. I, I, I com- sure, I completely understand. I've I've seen many situations like that. Wolf uh, inside of prison, where they're disguised, applying for commutation and things like that. There's so many things that have to be met in order for that to happen. That it's very rare, and and that is something that. You know that's that's in the state. That's something that we need to, you know, really take a look at and see why that particular uh, thing is not working. I'm not sure right. what is going on in the background, but we have some background noise. I don't think it's on IM. But anyway, so so yes, uh, absolutely. We do need to look at different ways uh, to to get these men released. In order to reintegrate back into society, uh, Sandra Grace, do you, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I think it's you know, it's a, I love the word um, antiquated because it says it all. And it does, and Wolf is right. Um, our our current laws, and not even our current laws, I believe that are. Our legislators, you know, they're up there in age and um, haven't fully embraced technology, haven't fully embraced um, new ways of, of approaching a, a, an issue. We're, we're, it always seems that uh, during a legislative year that we are behind the times. We're trying to catch up. Um, you know, as evidenced by, you know, as we discussed, cold vault being the the mainframe that, you know, the, the prisoners sure. use. And here we're now just going into a cloud-based system. So that says, that speaks loudly that that we're catching up. And so, you know, I I see that that point uh, very very loud and clear and and I hear it loud and clear I would hope that in the next coming elections um, that we you know find new blood more progressive thinkers um, you know somebody that that you know understands uh, and and will listen uh, to new approaches uh, on on how to rehabilitate, um, or, or or at least 
try to make the ones that are there currently on the books to rehabilitate work because sure. clearly they're they're not. And so, um, yes, I agree with Wolf. We are we are behind times. We are. And I agree with you, Sandra Grace. There are things that are already in place that that could that could be you know more effective, and 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 I think that's that's a lot of a lot of where we're falling short. I know that in the prison system, uh, it's always uh, you know an issue. They're always falling short or something. But yeah, so yeah, I definitely agree with you. Well, if I wanted to uh, uh, kind of uh, – okay, so we talked about commutation. Uh, 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 so so you also asked about or wanted to talk about we, uh, uh, an investigator from a conviction integrity unit looking into a wrongful conviction. Right. As we talked about last week, there are individuals inside the prisons right now who have sentences way out of proportion – to their crime, and some of them are actually innocent, or they were charged with the wrong thing. And uh, the I, some of the all the major cities, I believe, have what's called conviction integrity units, where those individuals who think they uh, didn't get justice done during their trial, uh, they can submit an application to these units to have them check the facts of their cases and new evidence if there is new evidence uh, to uh, you know look at the uh, how much justice they really got and whether something needs to change like the length of the sentence or that or what they were convicted of or whatever and all this can be done sure. without all this can be done without a lawyer you know most people think well you have to hire someone to pay him a bunch of money to get this stuff done uh that is not re- a requirement which uh i've uh i've been working on such a case and right now there is an investigator from the conviction integrity unit in Tarrant County examining a case that uh that i've been working on and uh we have no idea what the outcome will be but that is a sign of hope and any sign of hope sure. in a system as old as ours is just really welcome news. You know, I wanted – I know I keep sharing my experiences, but that's, that's kind of what I draw from. But I want to share, like – okay, I was sentenced during the revolving door era. I'm, I'm sure you all are aware of this era when uh, the mindsets of the courts – we were doing one month for every year that we were given. So if you got a five-year sentence, you did five months and you were released. Okay, there was the the parole and TDCJ, or they were TDC then. They were separate entities, so there was not much communication. So as soon as your five months were up, you were released. So if you had a 25-year sentence like they gave me, then you did 25 months and was released, okay? And that's what happened in my case. But what happens is that the time had changed, and they began to build more prisons. And because the mindsets of the courts, we were only doing one month for every year, all that changed when they started building all these prisons. So if you went back on a violation, I went back on a violation and did seven years on a technical violation. So, you know, it, it the, you know, because the, because the prisons were, you know, they were building prisons all over the place. So the revolving door closed and a lot of those men were 
were sentenced, uh, uh, you know, under that mindset that they weren't going to do much time. And that's what the courts were set on at that time. It was going on all over, all over Texas. And uh, so anyway, so there are many, many men that were sentenced, especially during that era, that were, you know, over sentenced without a doubt. So and, 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 and I'm I'm, you know, uh, proof of that, although I'm done uh, with my time uh, pretty much is, you know, it's still it, it, it has been a burden in my life for, you know, 30 years. I'm anyway. sure it has. And, and what one thing for sure is that when they change the number of years that a person has to serve for whatever crime they have, it, this was not done on the basis of. Uh, any kind of evidence or scientific knowledge of human behavior. It was purely politics uh, done during the sure. time when tough on crime was uh, the way to go for every politician that's out there. Unfortunately, that's changing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sandra Grace, you got anything on that? Well, you know, I, I recently read a article, an article about a woman who, and I won't get into the details, uh, she was arrested and convicted for killing her uh, baby girl. And she was sentenced to, I believe, 10 years to life. That That was the sentence, like 10 years to life. And... When she came up for parole, she was initially, she had a a couple of years in, well, several years in, and she was eligible for parole. And that this became, it's coming down the pipe because they still haven't yet ruled on it. Um, They they will be ruling on it here the next couple of months. It happened last year, and they took it up with the Supreme Court. So, she ends up uh, being told she can be on parole, and there was an uproar in the community, in the very small community that she was from, like baby killers coming out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so this woman did all the programs. You know, she did that, that in some. She was, you know, she, she uh, you know, presented um, very knowledgeable and appropriate, you know, when she was interviewed. And then um, because there was such an uproar, the Board of Pardons and Paroles decided to give her life and took parole off the table, even though she was told she was approved for parole. So Mm -hmm. she went, yes, so she was approved for parole. And then so that, you know, I, I think they believed, and, and this is exactly we're talking about. We're talking about people standing up against what is wrong, what doesn't doesn't appear to be, you know, just. And so, this is a really good case, and because it's a woman, um, it really stood out to me. So. She ends up saying, no, this isn't, I'm not going to take this laying down. I'm just, I'm not. And she hired herself an attorney and they made some really good arguments about, you know, cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, 
and you know to give her parole and not, now they're going to give her life but the question to be answered was does the parole of pardons and parole have the right to be judge and jury and change you know and whatever they want the sentence to be and so at this time so the something isn't right on the uh, BPP on side because they. Where was this, Sandra Grace? Grace? You know, Do you I know think it it's was... in Utah. I think it's in okay. Utah. Okay. So, the, you know, I know that BPP knew that they did something wrong and that she was in the right and that her arguments were good because all of a sudden she's out on parole. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. so uh, you know it, it's it's that kind of thing that. Um, you know, it, it's the question is that, and so that is the case law. I'm kind of see, I want to know what happens in that particular case because that can set precedent. You know, the, can well, the board, the BPP, like, you know, switch stuff and and make things happen without due process? Um, you know, so that you know it. it it was an interesting story, and um, and it just goes right up there with you know power and, and authority and and uh, incongruencies, and so ultimately she's on parole for now. I mean, so it is that's where it is with with her. Anyway, I thought that'd be an interesting well, story to share because I mean this is a, this is exactly what we're discussing. We're discussing people, you know, being sentenced, and you know it's all over the place. And sure. you know, there's, sure. uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know. I can't even. I don't understand it. I don't even understand how things are, are even at the at the jail or at the at the county level. The county level's odd here in Texas lately. Out in Bear County, for sure. You know, those that now they don't want anybody to, to to stay because of COVID. So they're doing programs that are. I mean, bingo, uh, Wolf had said it last time, it's restorative justice. So rather than having them booked and put in a jail cell, uh, they're giving them opportunities to do their time outside by uh, community work and and other things. And so I'm like, this is where we need to be going, you know, and, and have some congruency. And, and hopefully, you know, the dream is nationwide, but we'll see. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share a, a, another just short story on on my own personal level that goes along with the story that you just shared, Sandra Grace, kind of with ladies. See, here in Texas, there's there are thousands of men that were sentenced to. Okay, let's just let's just take my case. I was sentenced to 25 years in 1990. Okay, so it's 2020. I'm still on the same 25-year sentence, and I'm not done with it for another three years. So that's 33 years on a 25-year sentence, and uh, you know, let, and that's that's been done through legislature. That's been done through uh, uh, the changing of how they award time after I was sentenced, not before, mm-hmm. but afterwards. So I was sentenced under a certain time in law, but. They have made these other laws that that hurt me retroactive. So, 
Uh, anyway, it's just it, it's kind of ridiculous. But this is this is I'm not. There are thousands of these cases in Texas right now where the legislature have extended their time, which I I, I don't believe is constitutional. I don't believe it's it, it's it's right. So anyway. No, so I think you, have, you bring about a good point, and that's you know something that hopefully you know as I said uh, Representative Coleman, pardon, uh, Representative Coleman uh, is putting together a, a very comprehensive reform um, bill. I you know I just hope that um, that's part of it. You know. Sure. Maybe that's something we can look at, Sandra Grace. Yeah. I, of course, because we have two more bills to take on, so why <laughs> not? Sure. <laughs> not not that our plate not that our plate isn't full enough already. Oh well, gosh, uh, no, but it's okay. I do it. I do it with, you know, and and because it isn't right. You, you know, I'm thinking of just procedurally. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, if you get convicted, you get a time. Uh, and, you know, maybe you can get parole and do the rest of your time out, you know, in community. And now we're adding more years or uh, it, and or deciding, no, let's just put this individual, what? you know, into, you know, in, you know, keep him incarcerated for his life. I don't know. I all over the place. I don't I find it. Um, I find it a challenge. So let's do it. All right, all right, okay. Wolf, Wolf, I want to ask you about these uh, uh, about these individuals making the decisions uh, for parole here in Texas. I know that you've talked okay. about it. You mentioned it to me, and uh, I, I just want to kind of break down that that that, that little panel, if you will, uh, that 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 decides who goes home, and who doesn't. Okay. Well, I think a lot of people have this uh, idea of what a parole hearing is like they kind of, you know on tv it's like you have a panel of people sitting at a table and the prisoner comes in and they ask him questions and stuff like that and but that's not texas that's some fantasy land i don't know where it is but it's, it's not in our state because in our state you get uh you have 20 a total of 21 people are involved in parole decisions for 70,000 people every year uh, and from what I know, the way the parole hearing goes, you have one one of the uh, either a parole board member or commissioner looks at a file uh, and uh, looks at a recommendation, probably from the institutional parole officer, and makes a fairly quick decision. Since there's a whole bunch of other files they need to look at, and there's no time to really dig into the case, then the, they will almost never visit personally with the prisoner. Most people I talk sure. to are kind of shocked. Most people I talk to are kind of shocked about that. They figure, well, how can you really get a sense for who a person is at this point in their life if you don't get to sit across from them or look them in the face? Uh, but here it's a, it's a much more individual, uh, impersonal uh, review of a file, and these people are making life-changing decisions in the course of, say, three minutes or so. And to me, sure. you know, we need to we need to move beyond that uh, and make it much more individualized. But that's going to require uh, 
a different attitude on the part of lawmakers because they're the ones that can make the changes that we need. And uh, maybe as a result of being in this crazy time that we're in, more lawmakers will be thinking about how we can make the whole system more individualized, more humane, and more just. Does that answer your question? Absolutely, absolutely. I wanted to, to and, and you mentioned something about the unit parole officer, and I've and I've certainly been before many of them in my time. I've probably uh, uh, I don't know, maybe ten times before unit parole officer, but uh, very, very uh, uh, short, very uh, uh, not just. You know, there's not much communication there, and you see them one time for a few minutes, and that's it. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. you're going in for this large interview where you're being, uh, uh, you know, asked what your goals are and, you know, what are you planning, you know, all this, you know, all these things that you need to do in order to, you know, succeed out here. Uh, they don't ask any of that. All they ask is about your criminal history, and then you're gone. And so right. it, it's it's just it's kind of ridiculous that they even would even think about taking a recommendation from a unit parole officer when there's very 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 limited contact uh, between him or her and the uh, possible parolee, uh, and then it's even less when you get further, you know, up or or you get further up in the uh, hierarchy or whatever of parole. So. I mean, I don't know. It's just it. it, it I, I agree with you. It's a system that needs to be uh, revamped uh, and uh, and clarified. I mean, it is you know the parole system is so vague in Texas that I believe we need a clarification of what it is that it's going to take a clear path to parole and then an understanding of what what you know exactly and and and. Things set in place to, to to help these men succeed. I don't know, but yeah, no, I I, I agree completely because uh, the way it is now, what they what they do when they're looking at a file, they have two columns they're looking at. They're looking at what's called the actual crime that was committed and the dynamic factors that uh, are supposed to reflect what? what you've done since you've been incarcerated, and uh, the static factors can never change. But the dynamic ones, because you're an individual and you will evolve and grow, those can change. But they place much more emphasis on what cannot be changed than what can be changed. And that really is one of the most important areas where change needs to happen. You are absolutely right. And, and Sandra Grace, I want to get your take on this because you're right. I mean, I, I was set off six times for the very same thing. That I could not change. There was no way I could change it. It was criminal history, uh, not not being uh, successful on parole, or what, well, there was no way I could ever change those. But they used them over mm-hmm. and over to set me off year after year after year. So, uh, I, you know, yeah. So antiquated is a is a word that uh, uh, Sandra Grace used earlier, and I just want to, you know, uh, I believe that the system is absolutely antiquated. I just want to get your take on that. Well, it's, it's, again, you know, it's going to require new blood and, you know, that's, I am, I'm really looking forward to a change of leadership and there, 
there has to be a level of awareness from the general public. And as a result of COVID-19 in our prison system here in Texas, it has actually activated many individuals inner protester and uh, and has brought people together as Wolf had mentioned earlier in the show that it has ignited uh, a movement and now more than ever has Texas Department of Criminal Justice received calls galore. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what the ombudsman's going to report after the fiscal year is over, because I'm sure it's going to be at least triple the amount of last year's calls and complaints and concerns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole other, you know, and I know we're going to talk about that today because ombudsman sure. is the, is code for oversight and, and oversight is um, really not oversight because of who oversees it. So, um, but yes, me that's my two cents worth there okay all right so yeah so so going continuing on with 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 parole i just i mean it it uh it just baffles me that uh so few uh individuals can be in charge of so many people's freedom and it's not really even uh you know, a very good look. You know, it's just a very brief uh, uh, decision uh, based on, I don't even know what they base them on, but I guess it's crime or, I'm not sure. But it's uh, no rhyme or reason. But anyway, uh, we can we can go ahead and move on unless y'all have some final thoughts on parole. I don't have any more thoughts on it. I, I think it's a very complex issue and one that needs so much clarification. Uh, I do know that even though there are matrix used to approve for parole, that at any given moment uh, they could release people and on you know just because they're overcrowding and. Uh, XYZ is happening. Um, I've seen it before. And so, and they didn't have to, the the crimes that would have not have been, wouldn't have been approved, were approved. And so it, it changes. It just depends. Um, so, yes, I have, I have a lot of questions about that, and I'm glad that we're talking about it because there is no real response. There is, like you said, no rhyme or reason at any given moment. Any authority, They have the authority to release. Right now they can release three people if they want to. Just They just can. You know, they have sure. that authority. So mm-hmm. uh, they can release three, 3,300, or, you know, they can just release one. Uh, it's it's interesting um, to have that authority. And that is actually, you know, a, a power, a sense of power. And I don't know. And sometimes I feel like they play God, you know. Yeah, there's, 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 no, yeah, there's no question that 
they are in fact like in a godlike type of position because they can determine the future years of a person's life in such a short period of time. And so apparently what needs to be done is they need to propose a new way to conduct parole review and to get the politicians to provide the money that can make it happen. And that's something that is a, a tough challenge. It is. It is challenging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, y'all, when, when uh, we're going to take a break here in a few minutes, but when we come back, uh, we have a, a fellow a- advocate uh, with uh, Texas Prison Air Condition Advocates, and uh, her husband has recently come down with COVID, and uh, we want to talk a little bit about that with her. She's going to be coming on. We want to talk about that with her because it is a uh, he his immune system is already compromised, and he is in a one man cell. And we're just we're just curious as to how uh, you know a man in this situation uh, contracts uh, COVID. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that and just sharing a little bit about her story when we come back. So uh, Wolf and Sandra Grace, if y'all just, we're, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a few minutes. And uh, we'll also, you know, go through some other uh, issues that, that we have on the list. So, yes, sir. would you please take us into a break? You're, you're, you're listening, listening to Cell Life with Michael Savalos right now on TPV Radio. I'm walking in fame. 
Michael Savalas coming to you back from our break. This is Cell Life, and I'm here with my co-host, Sandra Grace Martinez, and our guest today is Wolf Sittler. Now, we've been talking about parole. We've been talking about a lot of different things today, and I think we've covered a lot of ground. I wanted to know, uh, I wanted to bring our friend Casey on and uh, kind of talk to her about what's going on with her husband and just her advocacy uh, in this fight against, you know, these injustices. So, uh, Chris, if you could patch uh, Casey through, I'd appreciate it. Hello? Hey, Casey. Hi. How you doing? How are you? Oh, good, right. good. I'm- um, there might be background noise because I'm on the road. So, um, are you, you are you driving back from Mississippi? I am headed back to Texas. Yes. Okay. How long is that drive? Uh, six and a half hours. Wow. Well, we appreciate yeah. you calling in today. I wanted to kind of, uh, uh, you know, give you some time to talk about what's going on, not only with your advocacy, but especially what's going on with your husband. And, uh, you know, if you'd like to do that, I mean, this is definitely a, a, a platform where, uh, you know, we want to allow you to uh, speak on those things. So, um, Well, there's actually there's a lot to speak on. I really don't know where to start. Um, well, I will say that um, with TPAA, um, we, we do our best to – to fight for whoever needs us, like whatever, whoever comes to us, we try to help, but our main focus is the heat issue. Um, but we also, you know, help with medical and, you know, with the water issues, and we're trying to, you know, get a lot of changes. Um, and it's a hard fight, um, but I think that if everyone comes together and everyone starts fighting for every cause, that there will be a lot of changes this session. I really, I believe this is our time for change um, because there's a lot more people stepping up and it's because of COVID. In a way, COVID helped us in that way. Um, but in the long run, COVID's hurt us too um, because, you know, now we're, sure. people are dying. Um, but 
far as my husband goes, there's a lot that I'd love to say about that issue um, because parole board could have let him go. He was denied March the 9th, the same week that visits shut down due to COVID. Um, and, and Casey, let me ask, what, what, uh, how much uh, time does your husband have? He got a, He has a 10-year sentence. He just, his fifth year just started. So we're working on our fifth year. Um, non- and he's non-ag, right? Non-aggravated wow. drug charge. Um, hmm. So, yeah. It, he's been sick since um, he entered TDCJ. As soon as he got to TDCJ, he was hospitalized for two months. Um, the list goes on and on. He's just he's very sick. He has. So um, he was already COVID. sick. He was already right. sick before COVID. Right. He um, actually was diagnosed with a chronic rare kidney disease in County Jail, and was hospitalized for over a month in County, and literally almost died. He's almost died more than once in TDCJ due to lack of care, um, lack of concern. Just you name it, they don't care. When they're sick, they don't care. I firmly believe that if you have a chronic illness and you enter TDCJ, you won't come back out. And I firmly believe that, unless you have someone out here that's fighting for you. And I can tell you that I have fault. I will tell you that 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 I can attest uh, to uh, uh, at least my experiences with the medical and uh, uh, just trying to navigate. Uh, the different uh, ways of getting help in TDCJ, and it is uh, by far a nightmare. So, I mean, it's very you know, it, I mean, it's very very difficult because they have such a system set up to where it's it's so many flaws. There's so many flaws in that system. They don't when when it comes to Huntsville and the ones that are in charge. I mean, I will say that. They don't have a way of knowing absolutely every single thing that's going on at every unit with every single inmate. That's impossible. There's there's 135,000 inmates. There's no way they can know what's going on with every single one all the time. I get that. But at the same time, when you have a family member and you have a loved one that's coming to you continuously over and over and over about the same issue and you don't do anything about it, then it becomes your problem. You know what I mean? Sure. I have... I've had legislators, Senator Whitmire, uh, Representative James White. I've had my local um, senator and representative help, you know, try to get involved and help me, and they actually made the issue work. You know, they made it work. I mean, it's just I've done everything that there is to possibly do, and they don't seem to get that. And, like, I'm not one of them. (laughs) Right. So are you saying – are you saying that that when you contacted the different people to help you that it it even got worse? Yes, yes. I was um, my local. I don't want to put any names out there. Simply, I don't want to do that. Sure, sure. But, no, um, that's fine. Um, but my my local representative and senator, yes, when there was one of two um, that got involved, um, made the situation worse, and if they told that we had an attorney, and we did not have an attorney, so TDCJ refused to discuss any information with me without going through the court. And I'm like, we can't go through the court because we don't even have an attorney. How would we do that? 
So it, it was just a big mess. And so I had to get down to fix the problem. And, I mean, it's been an ongoing issue since the I mean, it's just been an ongoing issue. And, well, you know, I, he was upset. Sure. Well, I know that, that you're friends with all of us on the show, so I know that Sandra Grace and Wolf definitely want to, uh, you know, speak and reach out to you. So, if, you know, if anyone wants to go ahead and speak, Wolf, Sandra and Grace, I'll go ahead. Well, it's a shame well, that they would botch, you know, the the help because of the assumption or the presentation that you had an attorney. Um I would assume that you would clarify that and, and they would move forward. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed as to why they wouldn't um, want to assist you further. Why would why would they do that? What they did, what they, did they corrected the issue, and what was so bad about it is that particular person actually set up an appointment with an attorney's office for me. And because of wording in an email that they simply just forwarded my email to TCJ and they took it upon themselves to assume that there was something going on that wasn't, I guess you could say. Um, but they did eventually fix the problem. But the thing was that there, that problem should have never been there. That should have never even been an issue that we had to go around. You know, it's like, why... I don't know. It's so much to the story that it's just too much to really put out there. I mean, it's just so much that's happened. It's been, if you, there's one thing that I can say is we've been through the ring here with TVCJ. It's literally been hell on earth for us. And that's how I, that's the best way I know how to explain it. You know, he's so Wolf, 40 years old. Wolf, he, I know that. Be, I'm sorry, Casey. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, uh, no, no, I know that uh, uh, we were talking about, Wolf, we were talking about different ways to uh, help men get released and, and parole earlier in different ways. And, and, and I just don't understand why a non-aggravated uh, uh, sentence on a drug charge is almost done half of their time uh, like an aggravated case or something. And he's also sick, and and now he's got COVID, and it it, it just it seems like it's just getting worse. And yeah, you know, and I, I agree. And, I don't. And, and, that's the one thing I want to know. Your question. You, have you filed for a special review? Um, we have not. We don't qualify for a special review, but we have actually. Um, I've applied for the MRI. IS program, the parole, the medical parole program. I applied for that twice. He gets denied for that every time simply because um, he does not have an illness that has caused him to be given six months to live. The only way that their qualifications, I was told actually a couple weeks ago that you would have to have been told that you have six months left to live to even qualify for that program. And that's not in compassionate release. That's totally different. Compassionate release has to go through the governor's office, and he doesn't qualify for that either. So it's hmm. it, it, it's it's sad because he he can what has happened to him could be prevented if he was in the free world, but because he's not in the free world and he's behind bars, there's we have to take the chance that he might die behind bars because he's in there. If he was out here, it'd be a totally different ballgame. 
see what. Do y'all have children, Casey? Yes, not together, but I have a seven-year-old daughter and he has an eight-year-old. Okay. Yeah, I've got a question for you, Casey. Uh, since he's been denied, you said five times? What, he's been denied the, twice. Okay, and what are the reasons for denial? Um, 1D and 3D, um, off the top of my head, it was um, his, his drug involvement, and the other one was... Um, I can't even think what up when it is. One D and three D, whatever those two are. But it, it's probably it, it, like criminal background or Yeah, something like that. Oh. Okay. Or, okay. Yeah. yeah. But he you know, well, he, he was in SEG. He was in SEG, I would say he was in SEG. He had to complete the grad program, which he did complete and that is another issue that I am very compassionate about is the whole SEG issue because they claim that these are the worst inmates in Texas. If you're in SEG, you're classified as one of the worst inmates in Texas. This is my problem with that. You don't, CDCJ does absolutely nothing to help better them offenders. The offenders, the inmates cannot do, they can't take classes. They can't do any of the meetings. They can't, they're not allowed to do anything. They're not offered anything. They sit behind a cell in a cage for 23 hours a day. And with absolutely nothing to do to better themselves. If they have no family, they do nothing but sit there and look at a wall. How is that bettering someone? But yet you let these people back into society and you wonder why they have, you know, criminal backgrounds. You wonder why they have criminal history. Well, you just locked them in a cage for however long and then threw them to the wolves and you threw them back out, you know, in, into the world. There, you know, you can't. You can only leave an animal cage for so long before you before they go crazy. You know, and that's the thing. That's the way. I, if I was put in a cage for 23 hours a day, and I would go crazy. You know, and that's the thing. TDCJ needs to offer these people an opportunity to better themselves. Some of them want to. Some of them want to do better, but then they're not allowed to because they have no options to. For example. So my husband was in SEG. He's been out of SEG. He's been a D2 for a year now. Well, he's asked to take classes, but because of where he's housed, he's not allowed to take classes because they don't offer them in his housing area of that facility. So he can't do right. anything from when he was denied in March until he comes up to for review again in March of 2021. There's absolutely nothing that he can do to better himself because he doesn't have that option. So what do is they that, expect him to do? Is that a is that a function of administrative policy? It's not the law that, uh, that it's not directs the law. that, right? It's, exactly. it's policy. It's, right. That is administrative policy. That is like uh that's really across the board in T D C J. They don't they don't really allow them to do anything. Right. Uh you know, I was in SEG I was in SEG for a little while. Uh and uh it is uh it's very taxing on on the mind, you know, in a lot of different uh, ways, and you know, it keeps you from your family. It's just a lot of. And some men go directly if they go directly in there, just behind their their records. It, it's just it's really crazy. And but yeah. uh, and it's another it's world back there. It's a whole other world. 
It is. That's from your regular prison. That's all I knew whenever I first started this journey out with him. He did 10 years prior, and he did day for day 10 years. He got out. Five years later, he ends up back at TDCJ. Well, when he went back to TDCJ, he was automatically, immediately put in SEG. And even those medical patients in SEG are treated worse than they are if they were in population. So sure, because you can't get any attention, because you, can't, you exactly. can't get anyone to help you. Exactly. It's sad. It's Nobody very, wants to help you. It, 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 it's too much trouble. It's too much trouble to them. They they have to handcuff you. They have to shut everything down. They got to move you. It, it, it's they don't want to do it, even though that it's is the process sad. and they know it's the process. They do not want to do it, and no one forces them to do it. And that's where right. the problem is. It's the staff issue because I I have in my possession numerous um, refusal forms stating that he was refusing to go to medical when they were having to escort him, which was a ball-based lie because the staff members were signing his name on refusal. And I have a nurse that confessed to it on record. I have all of this recorded, confessed to it, and told me that that's what happened. She even said they had an issue at the unit with that particular thing. That's what they were having an issue with the staff. So it's not. Yeah, like and it's all behind. It's all behind them. <laughs> and it's all behind them not wanting to not wanting to do their job. Being lazy what? is exactly what it is. You, you know, you're paid to do a job. If you don't want to do your job, get a new one. You know, get a new job because I, I'm one. I'm gonna I'm gonna make them do their job. That's why they don't like me because I'm gonna make them do that job. If you don't want to do it, I mean, by all means, leave. You know, well, I Casey, don't we wanted. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just I don't understand the thinking of some people. Like, how do some of these people actually lay down and sit behind knowing they've done? You know. Yeah, it is. It is difficult. I, I, you know, we wanted to bring you on so that you could share uh, what's going on right now, and we just, you know, we we want you to know that we support you, and if there's anything that we can do to help you, and you know, try to, you know, figure something out to, you know, keep your husband safe or please, please let us know. And, you know, we know that you help a lot of people in this arena and, and we just really appreciate you. We appreciate TPAA and, uh, you know, and you know, if there's anything we can do, please, please reach out to us. But I want to thank I you so much for coming and sharing. Thanks for sharing. We thank you y'all want to say anything to her y'all i'm sorry sandra grace or wolf yeah I, i'm just I would, I would i'm like, just actually oh go ahead wolf it's your birthday keep going oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay well uh a big takeaway for me from our conversation so far is that irrespective of the, how antiquated the system is how unresponsive some of the staff are the critical thing is to fight for the people that you love. Even if you, if you don't, even if you don't love someone, you have to get out there and constantly uh, take every avenue possible to try and make things better. Never give up because that's what they want you to do. That's right. 
Yeah. Right. I don't know. I I don't know if they want you to give up. I, you know, there's no monolithic uh, attitude inside the prison. There are some staff members who want to do a good job, and some who do do a good job. But too many of them yes, are restricted. Yeah, too many of them are just restricted by the philosophy that has uh, taken root in that institution, and that and that is something that is going to have to change if we're going to get more, you know, more benefit from what's going on there. Yes, sir. I concur. Uh, okay, you good, Sandra Day? Yes. All right. Well, Casey, we thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for We're having gonna take me. On... All right. Good luck. If you need anything, holler at us, and uh, we're going to be praying yes. for you and your husband and your family and uh, uh, and all the other men and women that are, you know, going through things behind bars and the men and women that are out struggling uh, in this fight. So, anyway, we love you, and just God bless you, Casey. Thank yes, you. Yes, we love you, Casey. Talk to you soon, hon. All right. Thank you. Love you guys, too. Bye-bye. Christopher, uh, Pastor Christopher, do we do we have any more callers? Uh, yep, we do have one caller on the line, Mike. Uh, for security purposes, we only read the last four digits of the phone number. So, eighty-one eighty-eight, eighty-one eighty-eight. You are on cell life with Michael Savalos. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? What's going on, Mike? You doing okay, buddy? Yes, sir. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Um, I know you had a question last week that we didn't get to, and uh, I don't know if you have anything from this week, but go ahead, Michael. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to say uh, thank you, Sandra Grace, for stepping in and and helping my brother Mike in in these past few few months. Um, He's he's an extraordinary – and I say young man because at heart we are still young men at heart, and we're just trying to make a difference. Um, I guess my heart, my hardest thing is Mike and I spoke last week on this. So, parole board members, um, it seems like everything that we talked about last week or that that I heard last week, these are doctors, lawyers that are on the board. Is there any reason why there's no common? You know, blue-collar worker out there. You know, a supervisor in a steel mill, not an owner, um, stuff like that. And and on top of that, um, how come as a board member these people cannot or are not going into the prisons and seeing what's going on, even even before COVID? That's such a great question. Those are question. great questions. It, it truly Go ahead, is. Jen, and, Grace. And- I I just believe that no one's really asking the questions as loudly as as we have been in the last several days. And Wolf, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they handpicked by the governor? Yes. And so, hence the problem. You know, we have a conservative governor. We're going to have a, you know, different, uh, the selection is going to be more on the conservative side. And so, yes, that has a lot to do with 
the selection of and the professions uh, that they um you know they represent uh, as board members so i agree that it is problematic it's become a problem and i think that a lot of our viewers have questioned that and so i'm so glad that you brought it up because it's i feel like now it's it's sounding more like a symphony of 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 voices and of concerns and you know we are headed in the right direction because these you know these issues need to be brought up before the legislature because the tapestry of course is not does not resemble and that of uh, of the community uh, that you know we don't have a, a, a say some communities uh, in other states their oversights have ex-convicts they have um, mental health professionals they have substance abuse counselors uh, they have attorneys they have doctors they have chaplains uh, we're the only well not the only but consistently throughout these last years especially the last two decades that have had the good old boy system just keep bringing back either the same, even though they've expired, they just tag team and, and, and have already somebody else in mind. Um, and so as a matter of fact, one of our viewers and Wolf and Michael, I, I you both know that in the level of the Texas department, of the criminal justice, their board, because they have a different board than the parole board. That's a different board. So there's two different boards. And so TDCJ board actually has a member that represents many lobbyists, quote unquote clients, he calls them, that he has to recuse himself when they're talking about fiscal matters pertaining to contracts that he represents in terms of his clients. And that is unethical, you know? Um, But then again, you know, we talked about how many callers, you know, uh, usually are are on the the phone asking questions. Um, So of course I've put it on my agenda and I will be asking that question. He needs to recuse himself completely. He needs to just, you know, he needs to just put in this paperwork as, you know, this is a conflict of interest. It's unethical. And uh, so that, that would be, to me, that would be a first step in the right direction. I don't know what bogus stuff they're going to, and I'm pessimistic because this has been a good old boy club for quite some time. But the times are changing, and uh, so I'm hoping that um, at least, if nothing else, get some news coverage over the fact that he does see multi-million dollar vendors uh, or, or clients, and he's on the board. So um, yeah, some of this well. is disconcerting, no doubt. Yeah, well, I, w- I would like to add to that that uh, it's not – the fact that the governor is a conservative that he hasn't appointed ordinary people to the board. 
it's because of the type of conservative that he is. Because Correct. many many conservatives I know, they believe in faith, family, fairness. And uh, if their views were represented, uh, you would have a parole board uh, like was uh, suggested here, which makes a lot of sense. It's like having a, a parole board of your peers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so as a matter of fact, you just brought me – I think about what you just said, Wolf, and, and, and frankly, you know, I, I start thinking about um, the – you know, the premise of being fiscally conservative. And, and, and so, yes, you're right. The type of conservative is very different. You know, there's plenty of types, but uh, even conservatives that are fiscally conservative um, have said, you know, that that there needs to be, you know, a better system because they realize how much money we can save is, you know, they, the the state of Texas. Let me ask you. Sandra Grace, let me ask you this. Do you think that they sell out due to money? Do you think that that's a big problem? Well, I, I, I don't think they talk about it openly, and I, I don't think that's ever on the record, you know, on their end. I mean, it's it's against the law. They can go to jail. It's a crime, you know. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think that there could be that level. I mean, I'm just speculating. Um, there sure. could be a level of corruption that has not yet, you know, yet been brought to light. But whatever is done in the dark always comes to light. And I think the more we get into this, like I said, uh, every time I get on the on the computer and start following the money, I find a lot more unethical behavior, and um, of course, other people that should be recusing themselves because they are by default associating with someone that um that is a vendor. So these things will surely come out. Um so I don't know if that answers your question, but that is highly on my Yeah, Michael, my radar. Michael, yeah, did that help here. help at all there? It did. It did. Oh, and I, I apologize, Wolf, happy birthday, sir. Just uh get that out there. No, thanks. And, and and maybe this will come to you as well. Now Mike and I spoke about this many, many months ago. Um, so even with COVID, and, and some of those felons are supposedly were supposed to get out. Um, so Michael has said that you know we they only get a hundred bucks when they leave. Okay, so they could be out right now, actually working. Um, is there anything that us on the outside can do and say, look, okay, well he was this. We'll say Jim Jones was supposed to get out, you know, four months ago. How come he's not going to get, um, you know, paid even minimum wage when he gets out for the for those, you know, four months that he's been locked up? He should have that waiting for him. I mean, that's. I mean, I trust me. I'm. I may be way speaking speaking way out of my jurisdiction, but it just seems almost fair uh, for him to to do that because he could be out there right now actually working and and. Trying to change his life, but yet no, they're they're saying, oh, you can't leave now because of COVID, which I think is just preposterous. This is just ignorant. I agree, Michael, and and it, it is, uh, you know, we have been talking about wages in in prison for for you know for for quite some time, and Texas just does not uh, have any type of system like that, so. 
you don't have an opportunity to save and plan for your future with with your own resources. You have to plan according to somebody else's resources, and it's just not – it just usually does not work out. And so, you know, that's a big problem for us. You know, even if they paid them, you know, 50 cents a day, you know, uh, they could they could, you know – save something or at least take care of themselves and not be drawing from the family during these, you know, years or months that they're incarcerated. But yeah, so I agree with you, Michael. We definitely need to take a look at those uh, different issues uh, when it comes to, you know, setting these men up for, for success, you know, upon their release and not, you know, uh, uh, hindering them. So I agree. Look, Michael, I thank you so much for uh, calling in. Uh, sure. I hope we've been helpful and answered some of your questions. Uh, you know, you've 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 been a great uh, resource. Michael's son is a police officer, and Michael's one of my oldest friends, and uh, uh, he has just really been very helpful in this uh, in this experiment. So, thanks, Mike. I appreciate you calling in, brother. Yes, sir, bro. All right, bro. Well, Wolf, uh, Sandra, Grace, I want to go on a little bit more. Uh, we still have some time. I want to talk about uh, visitation. I know, Wolf, that you had brought up uh, you wanted to speak more on visitation, and uh, uh, and it fits in, as as, as you said, uh, uh, it's about emotional as well as physical health. So, and then we and then you spoke about the uh, responsible prison project and how they address the issue. And I just wanted you to speak on that a little bit. Okay. Well, uh, we, all, we all know and all the evidence verifies that uh, social connections are really important for our emotional health. And uh, that's why I never liked this term of social distancing. It's supposed to be physical distancing. You don't need to cut off social connections because those social connections are what gives us hope, gives us uh, you know, ideas, uh, it just uh, enriches our life in ways that nothing else. Visitation in prison, obviously now, hasn't been happening for about four months or so. And uh, the feeble attempts that have been made to provide five-minute phone calls and stuff like that, it's really, that's a disgrace. I mean, that, that just shouldn't be happening. We have enough technology and enough know-how where we can ensure that uh, better connections can be maintained with families, between families and their loved ones inside at a time like this. But even if we weren't in a time like this, even if we're before uh, COVID, the visitation system as set up was not designed uh, to really nurture those social needs as much as they need to, since, you know, having, uh, you know, emotional health, which is partially influenced by your social connections, is so critical for how you do when you get out. And as it is now, uh, I can visit my friend uh, in this unit for, he gets one visit of two hours, when there's visits, he gets one visit for two hours, and that's it. Uh, It's no matter if you drive, you know, 300 miles or, or 25. And uh, in this report, the guys recommend, well, that's that's not enough. If you've got kids or, you know, a larger family, uh, you just need more time than that. And so why not extend it to four hours a day 
why not and why reserve it just for Saturday and Sunday? Uh, there's what happens now is that there's so many people that visit on the weekends that a lot of times you have to wait several hours before you can even get in for your two-hour visit. And in that visit, you have the contact visits where you can actually sit across the table from a person, or you have the non-contact where you're sitting behind some plastic screen with all kinds of noise of other conversations going on in the background. Uh, these folks in the report recommend that any prisoner who has a year's worth of satisfactory institutional conduct should have contact visits where you can sit across the table from your loved ones. And maybe, you know, more than sit across the table, how about go outside? Like at the unit that I go to, there's tables set up outside with uh, sunshade and stuff like that. They have not been used in the seven years that I've been going there. And uh, I don't, you know, they claim it's a, it's a staffing issue. Where is this at? To, Where is this at, Wolf? That's at the Cofield unit. Oh yeah, one of the big, yeah. one of the biggest prisons in Texas. And uh, yeah, it I is asked the guy, at the moment. Sure. Yeah, they have an average of uh, what around four thousand guys there or something, and to try and yes, arrange, try to try and arrange visitation on one week, one or two days on a weekend for all the people that want to visit. Uh, it's just crazy. And so the guys that wrote this report said, "Let's do it. Let's do it every day." I mean, when I go there, uh, before pre-COVID, there's like six officers at a preliminary checkpoint where they have you open the lid of your car and do a cursory search of your sure. car and write down the information on a paper tablet instead of using some technology. And all those guys wouldn't read, you know, that same job could be done by one guy and they should forget the searches since they never search the individual themselves. It's kind of, you know, just a routine thing that gives cover for some kind of security. Uh, but they have they have the staff. They have the facilities. It's a matter of philosophical attitude where the dignity and the respect for prisoners is just not front and center in how they make their decisions. No, you're right. You're right. Sandra Grace, you got anything on that? Well, I am so happy to hear Wolf uh, utter the words physical distancing. I was adamant with the mayor of San Antonio uh, using social distancing. And finally, uh, after making my case, because here what we're doing right now, this is actually social Okay, so this is we are socializing. So to say social distancing would be for us not to be on this phone call. So uh, I spoke to the mayor and his staff and wrote uh, several reasons why it doesn't make sense when it's the physical distancing that we are discussing due to COVID. And so. Finally, uh, you'll see him uh, every day when he and uh, Commissioner Wolf or Judge Wolf, they are um, having their their daily briefing uh, and are giving their daily briefing. They finally said, 
physical distancing and um and I was like, Thank God someone's listening. So and that's true. It's just um you know, again, uh, just wanted to talk and say thank you for saying that. I I, I think that that's some uh, my my hope is that people start catching on because social distancing. Just saying that, even kiddos, my my own son uh, who's thirteen, um, it's a very depressing phrase. Um, so it. It it does play on your psyche. So thank you, Wolf, for saying that. You see, you become wiser sure. with age. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know y'all always teach me something. The both of I I had never truly thought of the 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 different language that is used to describe uh, uh that it, and it can mean so much so many different things. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. And I agree with y'all. You know, social distancing is not a proper, uh, you know, usage of that. But anyway, so so getting further into visitation, I, I really like that you brought that up uh, as far as uh, the mental and physical health of 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 not only not only the the prisoner. But also the family members and and the children. I mean, my son visited me for 18 years while I was incarcerated, and uh, and well, his mother brought him to visit me for 18 years. After we we were divorced, she still brought him up for six years, and uh, she was remarried. And her husband would sit out in the parking lot. When she, her and my son would visit, so we could have contact visits, and I am very uh, uh, thankful and uh, that I had a woman that uh, uh, knew that it was important for me to be in my son's life, and I'm just so very grateful because uh, you know I don't know uh, what I would have done if I would have lost a relationship with my son while incarcerated, and. Uh, you know, although it is not where it needs to be, we are definitely communicating, and I am just grateful that, uh, you know, I was able to uh, connect with him during those visits and, uh, you know, have some intimate moments with him. But you're right, there is not enough time, especially when there are children involved, and uh, there's not enough uh, resources for the children to uh, uh, participate in when they do visit. And and when I say resources, I'm like I'm talking about there's just nothing really uh, for children to do but sit there. Now they do have reading and coloring now, but uh, you know a little a little you know play uh, uh, park would be nice. Uh, nothing extravagant where they could get hurt, but something that they could you know play with their children in and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, right or even 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 the ability to go outside and throw a ball around or just some kind of physical sure. activity in addition to just sitting at a concrete table. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Uh, what, another thing okay. that you guys talk about in terms of physical health is when you visit uh, frequently, you want, you want to 
add some food to it. That's all part of a social relationship, right? And you look at the food that they have at the Cofield unit, and uh, any nutritionist would gag since, you know, the nutritional value and the, and the health, uh, you know, benefits of what they serve in these vending machines is close to zero. Uh, but that's controlled, that's controlled by a private for-profit company that subcontracts through the Texas Workforce Commission. So that's a whole different thing that needs a different kind of strategy to address. Sure. Well, we again, we have covered a lot of ground again today. I wanted to kind of go a little bit into something that Sandra Grace mentioned earlier, uh, independent oversight. Uh, I want to kind of get uh, Sandra Grace's uh, thoughts on this. I know that we are looking into uh, uh, working on a bill of, with independent oversight, and I just want to kind of get your uh, view in so we can maybe educate the, uh, the listeners. Well, currently we have the way that the the statute is set up is we have an ombudsman, and an ombudsman actually is uh, the, his boss is the executive director of the committee that is considered the oversight committee. The problem with that is that, again, the oversight committee is chosen by the governor. So the police cannot police themselves. And so an independent oversight, it means that, you know, we're creating a separate a, a separate board, a separate a committee that does that is not handpicked by the governor, but that people can place applications and then be selected, you know, based on, you know, based on on the 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 goal of being diverse uh, in as a committee and so 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 um, kind of kind of what kind of what mike was asking about earlier the caller that called in he was asking if you know there was a you know where a blue collar worker could you know sit on a board or uh you know help with these issues Right, potentially, uh, yes. And so there is, you know, there was a a bill that was, um, you know, did gather some steam at last legislative session regarding independent oversight. And the particulars about it are, you know, they mean well, but they're uh, because they specifically have, like, this is, you know, minimum. They have to be, uh, an, uh, you know, an ex-offender. They have to be a social worker. They have to, you know, so there, there was, um, a, they delineated the wishes of, you know, what that tapestry would look like. And so I have uh, no problem with that. Uh, however, 
I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be able to be considered because I'm not a social worker. I'm a licensed professional counselor. So I would not be able to to submit an application. So but I think there should be a a social worker and another mental health care professional because social workers, you know, have a different philosophy and bring a lot to the table uh, in terms of advocacy and, you know, speaking, you know, on behalf of, of the disenfranchised or the ones who are struggling, not that an LPC wouldn't, but, you know, we, I certainly am more, uh, I'm focused more on the mental health initiatives, the substance abuse programs, um, you know, that may be, I mean, and we're talking about valid programs, things that that have validity and reliability and, and, and again, outcomes being, you know, paramount uh, so that when we are helping that we are, you know, we are actually providing uh, oversight and bringing to the table ideas that have not ever really been brought forth by a general public, you know, by that type of tapestry. Uh, so that is not what we have now. We don't have that type of oversight. So I, you know, I took it upon myself to start a citizen's uh, oversight and, you know, been working on that side of it. Because until then, you know, until we get a bill that makes it all the way to the governor and and assuming that the governor would would not veto it, which, you know, I, I think I would bet that he would veto something like that, um, depending on the political pulse at the time, doesn't seem favorable that he would would um, pass such a bill or, or, or sign it into law. So there are other communities in the nation that have started an oversight and just called it a citizen's oversight committee, and they're doing their own thing. And believe it or not, they actually have standing uh, when they go before commissioner's court, Um, and I like that. I like the fact that they go around the system. It's like, well, if you're not going to put one together, then we're going to go ahead and do it ourselves. And, you know, they're flexing their muscles in that regard. Yeah, so they took it upon themselves. They're like, well, okay, well, let's maybe do that, you know, from between now and the time that, you know, the the bill is heard and and, and we'll see what we can do. But I think there's nothing wrong with having a citizens, you know, uh, committee, you know, to oversee. We may not be able to, you know, have legislative power, but we definitely have influence, especially if we vote and, um, you know, we talk to the right representatives, uh, especially our own representatives. So, but uh, unfortunately right now the current system is uh, set up such that the ombudsman is Direct supervisor boss would be the executive director of the oversight board, um, and then so that's who he goes to. Mm-hmm. Well, do you, uh, 
What you got on independent oversight, brother? Well, I know that this has been one of the primary issues for the Texas Inmate Families Association. And uh, they're, they're interested in doing that for the exact reasons that Sandra Grace was saying, was that uh, uh, the uh, this system has a, a built-in resistance to being transparent. And, I, you know, the... Uh, the advantage of an official independent oversight board is that members could, on at without notice, stop in at any prison, go inside, talk to whoever they wanted to, and get information directly from the officers or the prisoners or whoever is working there. And uh, there, you know, there was a bill that was introduced last session. I'm sure it will be introduced again this session. The problem is that yeah. there are, you know, the, the forces that are lobby against that are strong. But still, we're in a time of transition. They're, you know, you look at the city government, they're talking about reviewing how the police do their job. Well, we need to review how, you know, the Department of Corrections does their job. And they've shown, like with this lawsuit that uh, they lost about air conditioning, where they forced the taxpayers to pay $7 million dollars fine or costs or whatever, uh, they don't. They will not change unless there's continual pressure from the outside. And independent oversight is one mechanism that would open, uh, you know, the, the, would just shed light on the darkness that is involved in this very opaque, public, publicly funded agency. And I think mm-hmm. we need it big time. And we need a lot of people to talk to their legislatures, legislators, encouraging them to support it when it comes up. Amen. I personally, I personally think independent oversight is is our way in to re, you know, revamping the whole prison system here in Texas. Uh, you know, but anyway, what you had something, Sandra Grace? No, that's it. Okay, all right. Uh, if if that's it on uh, independent oversight, we can move on. I want to. Uh, okay, uh, well, you did mention uh, air conditioning just now. Uh, the was that on the pack unit that you were speaking about? That's correct. The uh, and and of course we had Casey on, who's the president of TPAA, uh, Texas Prisons uh, Air Conditioning Advocates, and. So, so let's talk a little bit about the air conditioning. Now, I was on Pack One for about 12 years, and I was there during the whole transition. Uh, I was part of the uh, class action uh, lawsuit uh, on that on that unit. But uh, so I did not know that they turned around and made the taxpayers pay for that particular. Uh, uh, improvement on that unit. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and, and and that cost, that seven million cost, was not did not include air conditioning for the unit, which they had to later pay for anyway. Yeah, well, they put a new they put a new filtering system over there that cost a few million dollars that I know of, uh, and they had just put a, a new wastewater plant. And uh, I worked at both of those, 
but I guess the wastewater plant was, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. But uh, yeah, so they had been do they had problems, a lot of problems over there with uh, uh, things in the water. The water was not good. We could not drink the water for years over there. So they had a lot of issues over there, and that's where a lot of the uh, these men began to litigate over there. But anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, so so I want to talk a little bit about the about the fight that's ahead with this air conditioning, and 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 I mean I don't know a lot about it. I mean I do just because of the conditions that I lived under, but I don't know a lot about the political movement that's going on in this arena. And I just want to know if anyone could give me a pulse on that and just let me know uh, how how what would be the best way to attack this 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 big issue well from my perspective one of the there's two words that kind of underlie the whole thing and those words are dignity and respect i mean unless you treat the people in your care with dignity and respect anything else goes and right now anything else goes uh the the uh, the prison system. I don't believe they can just arbitrarily decide to air condition the prisons, which some people don't agree with. They think, well, that you deserve it, but that, that does not include those words dignity and respect. Uh, the politicians would have to authorize funding for the you know to take to air condition the 75 percent of the prisons that don't have it right now. And I know that if they did have it, that would increase the positive, you know, the positivity of each unit. If you're physically comfortable, well, there's a bigger chance that you'll be psychologically comfortable as well. Just so far, and that is absolutely. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. During the summer, I mean, it just gets really, really rowdy in prison because everybody's frustrated with their with the conditions that we're living. You know, it's just uh, those are some of the hardest times is the summers in prison because you just can't get away from the heat. Uh, mm-hmm. So I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the, well, the with current, COVID, yeah. you know, COVID okay. thrives, you know, um, viruses thrive and in this heat and um, and we're we're heading into you know, other uncharted, I mean, uncharted waters. And by that, I mean, you know, the, the flu shot season has you know, begun and to get ready for that. And so it's going to be the perfect storm. Um, and having air conditioning, having a heat, you know, having heat as well. Um, you know, all that again plays, you know, definitely, um, it, it, it is a matter of, of dignity, uh, decency, you know, and that I'm a big proponent for basic human needs because I know what it does psychologically to the people that are incarcerated and more so to the people that are outside, their loved ones, and how that can impact their life as well. And so um, that is disturbing uh, to know that people have had to endure 
and and my hope is that hopefully on the 22nd and then Michael you want to talk more about that because that to me is very exciting that's to me like okay you know this is the time this is where we're going to be heard uh, tell me about what you know that day because you're going to be there there is. There's a lot of things going on on that day. We will be in Huntsville for a national rally that is going to be, uh, uh, you know, broadcast nationally. We'll be speaking from for Texas. Well, we will be representing Texas. We won't be the only one speaking, but we will be one of the speakers from Texas. We're also they're also going to have a heat demonstration with TPAA, and uh, uh, I believe it's. Uh, it's Savannah Eldridge, and then she's uh, Frank. Uh, be Frank to Justice, or something like that. I believe it is, and she's a great advocate. And I'm very excited. I have not ever met her, but I will be speaking at her event, and uh, that's going to be exciting. Uh, and because it's going to be exciting, because we're going to be in Huntsville. I'm going a few days early, so that I can interview. Hopefully, men are getting out, and I want to be there to interview them that week. And just talk to them and, uh, you know, get their pulse on what's going on inside the prison system uh, right now as we speak. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to go a few days early. So I'm excited to uh, uh, connect with these men that are, you know, just now getting out, starting their journey. And, uh, uh, you know, and I want to hopefully I can encourage them in some way to, uh, you know, stay focused and know that no one – uh, is in control of your freedom but yourself. And we have to take control of our lives. And that has been a big problem in my past. And uh, so I've just, uh, you know, I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to share uh, with you, uh, Wolf and Sandra Grace, uh, these these uh, these hours on the on the podcast and speaking about. But we also passionately, uh, uh, you know, hold close to our hearts, and that's just, uh, uh, you know, treating people humanely wherever you are. Uh, right. You know, and that's what we believe in. So, you know. Yeah, and you uh, know what, Michael? I just want to commend you that I love the fact that you know I, I know I, I'm co-hosting and and uh, I love when you talk. So I kind of keep quiet and listen and chime in. What you're saying is very important. What you say. Because you have been in a prison and you know what it's like, and and so that's one element I'm missing. I don't know that part, so I've never experienced that. I just think that our, uh, you know, our presentation of these issues are not only about the problems, because problems, you know, people know about the problems, but that we are able to offer some solutions, whether it's discussing legislative, you know, initiatives, whether it's discussing rallies, whether it's discussing, uh, you know, you know, different avenues, you know, to to tackle a, a, an issue or how something, if it doesn't happen, how it could possibly um, affect, you know, have a secondary effect out in, you know, our community and, and how we need to get involved. So that's what I love about the show, and, you know, I love that our listeners, you know, um, stay on and, and comment, and, and definitely uh, because of that, that's why I wanted to continue and, and, and go on this venture with you, because we talk not only about the problems, we talk about the solutions. Well, I will definitely uh, – Wolf has been amazing, and I want to tell you, I am benefiting – 
uh, more than anyone in this. Uh, so I really appreciate you guys. So, Wolf, did you have something? Uh, uh, <laughs> Christopher, Wolf, did you have something you want to uh, say before we leave, sir? Well, I mean, uh, we got time, but you know, right, we still have right, a few minutes. Right. Yeah. No, I just, I just want to encourage everyone who's involved with the system in whatever way, and if they don't like what they see, uh, it's time to step up and let your voice be heard. And you know, contact your legislators, write a letter to the newspaper, uh, whatever, send information that you have to the news media, uh, and do not give up because you know this the system is you know it's just deeply rooted and uh, is not going to change overnight as we find out with the need to file lawsuits so you can get air conditioning for senior citizens uh, mm-hmm. you know that, yeah that and that, that's how it is but that's why I like what you're saying Sandra Grace is uh, you know it's easy oh, enough to that come one. up with with criticism you need to come up with some positive proposals for how to make it better. And uh, if those proposals do not come from the administration, they need to come from us. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. Well, I wanted to, uh, you know, if it, we appreciate everyone that tuned in today. If it's your first time tuning in, this is Cell Life. I'm Michael Savios. My co-host is Sandra Grace Martinez. Our guest today was Wolf Sittler and we talked about the Responsible Prison Project. We talked about parole. We went all through uh, visitation, and we talked about a lot of different issues. I want to go ahead and let you all know where you all can reach out to us. We are on Facebook under Michael Savios or Sandra Grace Martinez or Cell Life, and we're on every night at 8.30 with Cell Life and at 9 o'clock with Cell Life Amplified, and that is with Sandra Grace Martinez, my co-host. So, uh, you know, we're just really excited about what's coming in the future. We know that we have a, a tough fight ahead of us, but, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to stay the course. And, uh, you know, we, we know that as long as we continue to do the right thing, that good things will happen. Anyway, Sandra That's Grace. Right. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. So, uh, Sandra Grace, do you have anything else that you would like to uh, share and just close us out? Well, I just wanted to tell uh, Wolf that we are both Leos. <laughs> I have okay. a, because I have, a, I also have my birthday's coming up on the 18th, so I'm like that's oh. weird. <laughs> <laughs> Got some fire going. Yes, I know we that's do. right. So we do. I get it now. Now I get it. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> Uh, both of y'all, both of y'all. Oh, that's great. Anyway, I thought I mentioned that. Uh, that's all. That's all I got for today. All right. Well, you know, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, you have an open invitation to come on anytime you'd like. Uh, you are uh, like a, a co-host. We really loved you being on. And uh, so you just have an open invitation. We, uh, you know, we appreciate your input and we respect your input. So uh, thank you for being on the show, and, uh, you know, I hope to see you uh, in Huntsville on the 22nd. Okay, well, uh, thank you, Michael. It's been a a real pleasure to be uh, a part of this, and uh, I I will return. I'll be back. 
I'll be back, right? I'll be back. Okay, Sandra Grace. <laughs> yes, sir. Would you like to take a shot, Sandra Grace? Sure, absolutely. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of fellowship. And, uh, you know, just uh, we ask you to uh, watch over Michael Ceballos and, and, and Wolf uh, Sittler. He, both these men of God, are on fire and uh, to do the right thing and it, Jesus Christ just watch over them and watch over me as well um, but these are men of God and we need more of them and thank you for this time again a fellowship in Jesus Christ's name I pray amen 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 we may not have it all together, have it all together. but together, <laughs> but we, together have it all. we have it all all right, thank y'all. This is Shell Live. Y'all come check us out on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. We're uh, uh, spreading the word and just trying to help people. Thank y'all, and we'll see y'all next week. Ciao. Okay, bye. TPV Radio, Central Texas. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.